This is a Pick'em Rewind on the best college football Pick'em Pod in the land. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. Alan, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing better than uh, James Franklin today, so uh, that's that's a that's a win. So I'm I'm excited to um, be uh, looking forward to another week of football. You better be doing better than James Franklin. Heck, after that weekend, <laughs> good gracious, we have better. <laughs> have Mr. Denton in a good spot. So, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and jump back into the Week 7 standings to see exactly what happened here on the blackout. All right, let's do it. All right, our weekly co-champions. This is big news because we had one Hannah and one Lauren Denton, the better half of you, sir, tying at the top of the leaderboard with 105 points, scoring 105 of 120 available points this past week. Alan, how in the world does it feel to have your wife come out at the top of the pecking order this past week? I've never been more proud in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like I've been working for this moment for the last six years. And uh, it's, it's a kind of a Mr. Miyagi moment watching watching her sweep the leg of all the competition. Uh, it was a tremendous performance. Lauren herself went 12-3 and three in the picks to pick up those 105 points. Hannah went 11-4, and four, one pick worse, but had her picks distributed a little bit better to pick up those points, even though she was one pick worse. And then we glance over at the top of our leaderboard. Alan, we had a couple of things mix up. As we went into last week, we had co-leaders Garrett and Cameron, this past week, Garrett came away with an 11-4 and record, 102 points on the board. So he went from a tie for first to sole possession of first place once again. Our other co-leader, Cameron, not much worse, went 10-5, and had 96 points on the board, and he fell from a tie for first last week to sole possession of second place. So they're right there at the top. Just a tremendous performance by both of those guys as they solidify themselves as absolutely top contenders in this contest as we move deeper into the season. Exactly. I mean, those guys really, uh, I mean, like you said, solidified themselves as, as the top dogs and as, um, as they, as kind of this, these games continue on and the spreads, they, they spread out the lead a little bit more. It, it creates a, a better sense of urgency that we gotta, we gotta close the gap. Surely it does. It'll be very interesting to see how things work their way as we work our way into the middle of the college football season and as we get more of these weeks with a bunch of picks up on the board. Alan, let's look at what you and I did last week. We did not fare poorly, but not quite as well as the people we've mentioned so far. Alan, you wrapped up the week in a tie for 14th place in the weekly standings. You picked up 92 points on a 10 and 5 record and you fell from third place overall to fourth place overall. And here's the kicker. You went from three points back to 13 points back. But I don't think that's as bad as it sounds simply because there were so many points on the board and we did have some big swings amongst the competition. Exactly. Dang Iowa and dang Penn State and dang (laughs) West Virginia. Oh, man, it surely was fun to watch. As we glance at what I did, I came in a tie for 16th, just one point behind Allen, 
with 91 points on the board. I went nine and six in my picks, only getting 60% of them right. But I went into last weekend in sixth place overall. I stayed in sixth place. I went from eight points back in the standings to 19 points back. So we're both still in a pretty good spot. Alan, as we work our way deeper into it, uh, we look at it. We're both in the top six. The top 10 is really kind of a key place that we've talked about. And at this point, Lauren, your wife, and my wife, Kristen, are both tied for ninth place. So we've really got some interesting stuff going on as you and I, plus our spouses, make up four of our top 10 players. Exactly. I mean, if we end up losing to our wives, then then I guess this will become their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Although I don't know that uh, if we got Kristen on here that she'd be able to give quite as much good information. Lauren may be a little bit more advanced in her football knowledge, I think, than Kristen is. But uh, I have taught Kristen a t- thing or two in these competitions about, hey, looking at some spreads, what kind of stats to look at. But I don't give her tips week to week. So she, uh, she does it all herself, and she's doing a good job this year. Agreed. Yeah, it's impressive. Alan, as we work our way through the competition, obviously our grand prize is a very big deal because the winner of this season-long competition is going to walk away with a free t-shirt from BellyUpSports.com, a $50 Visa gift card, and on top of that, a $100 gift card to ChampionshipFootballs.com, where we've talked about it again and again. You can get championship footballs, memorabilia footballs, that are going to be awesome decorations for your collection, whether you're talking about the college game and national championships, or whether you're talking about the NFL and Super Bowl memorabilia footballs. There's a bunch of stuff there, the protective cases and all. There's so much to get your hands on. And if you go to championshipfootballs.com, even if you want to go ahead and purchase one, if you think, hey, I'm not in contention for the grand prize, that's okay. You can go to championshipfootballs.com, order one for yourself, and use the promo code BLACKOUT to get a discount on your order. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Absolutely. Alan, let's go ahead and jump into the previous week's action. Let's look at week seven as we do each week. Let's break it up kind of into time slot. Uh, Because there were so many games, I'm going to break it down a little bit more and kind of try and work our way through this as efficiently as possible. In the early time slot, we had some blowouts that, uh, you know, we're probably not going to spend a lot of time on, but we had Louisville beating Florida State by 32 points. We had North Carolina beating NC State in a rivalry, 48 to 21. And we had Ohio State dominating Nebraska, 52 to 17. Alan, amongst those games, what did you have your eyes on in the early slot? Oh, really? I I watched more of the North Carolina, North Carolina State game than anything. And you could tell that they really, really miss Devin Leary on the offensive side of the ball. They just didn't have the firepower to match North Carolina. Um, Ohio State, we'll talk a lot about them in a a little bit. I I think they were they were impressive. Um, They were as impressive as ever. And I didn't even get to watch a minute of that dang Louisville game. Because Hulu decided to drop the RSN networks like uh, the before. <laughs> well, man, I've got to credit you. Let's go ahead and talk about that Louisville game really quick because, hey, this is one that was down there at the bottom in terms of the closeness of the spread. It's hard to decipher what was going to happen, but you came out and collected seven points on the Louisville Cardinals when they won 48 to 16. Alan, what did caught your attention in this matchup and why were you so confident in the Louisville Cardinals? It, I actually had a lot more to do with Florida state than it did. anything to do with Louisville. <laughs> Fair I enough. Didn't, 
this this had I, I'm really was thinking, okay, here's the deal. They're coming off a very big kind of statement win. You have to go on the road to a pretty good and very motivated team with a second year coach. I thought with an explosive quarterback, it for me it had all the makings of what ended up happening, which was Florida State didn't end up showing up. They really obviously thought too much of themselves after that win, and Louisville took it to them. Makes a lot of sense, and you really benefited from it. I'm glad you went with the Louisville Cardinals. I went on the other side. I went with Florida State, but it wasn't so bad for me because I put them at a one, so that did not hurt me too bad. Alan, I agree with you. Devin Leary for NC State being out was a big deal. I I didn't watch a lot of that game either. Let's jump on over to Ohio State and the Buckeyes. Justin Fields putting on a show, and the Ohio State Buckeyes looking like we thought they would, looking like a true national championship contender at this very moment. Exactly. They instantly vault into the top three, right? Like, I mean, the the moment that they started playing and, and kind of shaking the rust off a bit, um, with Justin Fields at quarterback, th- their defense started getting some push and some pressure on um, both uh, Nebraska quarterbacks. I mean, it was one of those things where you could just see talent all over the field again that was far superior to anything that pretty much anybody else in the Big Ten can put up, except for maybe maybe a, a Michigan and and Penn State. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Justin Fields was tremendously impressive. The receivers he has and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are awesome. Uh, just a bunch of talent. And I know they have a bunch of other guys that came in in this recruiting class. They've got a bunch of freshman wide receivers that could make a big impact throughout this year. And heck, I'll even say this. I was a little bit impressed by how uh, dominant Ohio State was after the early start because Nebraska came out firing, man. They were able to move mm-hmm. down the field, put a touchdown on the board. I thought they really were impressive coming out of the gate, uh, much better than I thought they'd be. And they really gave some challenges to Ohio State there in the first quarter, and Ohio State responded and absolutely crushed them the rest of the game. Exactly. I mean, at one point it was 14-14, to 14 and Lauren and I looked at each other like, man, could this be – could this be a game? And then ultimately it didn't turn out to be because they they really turned on the gas. That was impressive. Alan, let's move over to the other noon slot games and take a look at them. We had the Auburn Tigers coming away in another close game against Ole Miss, and we had Oklahoma beating TCU 33-14. to What were you watching amongst those games? Oh, my gosh. I was watching Auburn getting lucky again. <laughs> I mean, how many times can this happen in one year where they benefit from a nonsensical call? I mean, I, I, honest to God, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, watching that and then not even reviewing it was, to me, uh, just uh, – I, I understand why Lane Kiffin – decided to go ahead and speak his mind and get fined. Oh, absolutely. You're talking about the kickoff that went down the field. The Auburn returner kind of reached for the ball, pulled his hands back. It went into the end zone. A touchback was called. But when you watch that replay, the ball slides by his hand, and conveniently you see that pinky fender bend way back. So he Mm -hmm. absolutely made contact with the ball. It should have been an Ole Miss touchdown. Auburn, lucky once again. And as you're referencing, you know, Lane Kiffin goes into the press conference after the game and he says, man, 
I don't know what's going on. Why in the world aren't you reviewing this call? And because he's bashing the refs, he's saying, you know, as far as I know, it was touched. And as far as what we've seen, it looks like it was touched. And that should have been reviewed. The SEC comes out, they fine him $25,000. And with the mention of the fine, they also say, oh, by the way, you're right. You know, we should have reviewed it. (laughs) We were wrong. It was a bad call. So just remarkable that in one way, the SEC can affirm Lane Kiffin at the, and the exact same time, fine him 25 grand. I mean, that's absolutely absurd and it's stupid. Like, what do you do in SEC? Get it together. <laughs> Alan, let's jump over and look at Oklahoma TCU. This was your value play last week, one of them, uh, with Oklahoma as a six and a half point favorite. Ooh, Alan, your suggestion was run Oklahoma down from a nine on your board. You had them at a four. So correct me if I'm wrong. I know you got credit for the points because Oklahoma won, but because of how they won in convincing fashion, almost two touchdowns more than they were favored by, Alan, I think this is when was safe to say that it wasn't the best advice. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma was very impressive in their victory. Yeah, man. It, it uh, is just what they have going on with their offense, even though it hasn't been as impressive uh, in what they've done the most last couple of years. And some of that's the talent at wide receiver. Uh, but Spencer Rattler seems to be improving. He's a talented dude, there's no doubt. And uh, they were able to contain TCU. And, you know, I think what you were going for was thinking maybe this was going to be more of a shootout, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, between um, TCU can't not getting out of their own way and the aggressiveness. I mean, that, we really saw a different type of defense from Oklahoma after the bye week. They came out really aggressive. They were getting after the quarterback and, and flustering Max Dugan, or Duggan. And, um, and, and so it, that was just really impressive. Uh, Alex Grinch did a, a really good job putting together that game plan um, and obviously they won big on the road. And like you're saying, I think Alex Grinch has quietly done a good job. I know there have been a lot of people talking about how this Oklahoma defense isn't that good, and I know they've been weak in some spots. I know the secondary has had some problems, uh, but statistically they haven't been all that bad this year. So definitely some improvement, and Alex Grinch is finding a way despite uh, not – I don't think necessarily the most talented defense uh, that he could hope for at this point. So we'll continue watching that as the season goes along. Alan, there's a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and jump into the mid-afternoon slot over the weekend. We had Alabama crushing your Tennessee Volunteers, as expected. Texas coming out on top of Baylor uh, by 11, and Purdue upsetting Iowa 24-20. to What was on your mind with those three matchups? Well, I mean, it was... It was just awful to watch Tennessee be awful. But it was even worse to see maybe the best receiver in the game go down. Mm. And it really stinks that Jalen Waddle um, fractured his ankle on that. I mean, yeah. really, on the opening kickoff that he really, as Saban bluntly said after the game, that he really had no business bringing that back. Um and so they were they were as impressive as ever versus an overmatched and what seemed underprepared Tennessee team. But I think the big story out of this one was um, a Purdue team without a coach, without their head coach, beating Iowa um, 
kind of in a, a last minute fashion. It was that was an incredible game to watch. Yeah, and you're talking about it. No Jeff Brom on the sidelines for Purdue. On top of that, no Rondale Moore, their star wide receiver. He's out. And so you have a number of things going on there. They didn't even have their starting running back. So uh, that one threw a wrench into the equation. Uh, Before the Rondale Moore news came out, I actually had Purdue picked on my board. I decided to flip it because of all the absences for Purdue. I ended up putting Purdue at a four. Allen, this one hurt you bad. You had Purdue at a nine. Yeah, I had had Iowa at a nine. Sorry, I had had, uh, Iowa at a four. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I thought with all the absences, no, no, you know, like breaking in, you know, new star wide receiver, like I did not see Iowa's defense giving up that amount of points. I mean, the fact that they ended up losing 24 to 20, I could see Iowa scoring, you know, 20, but I did not see Purdue scoring 24 with no Jeff Brom and um, no Rondell Moore, and as you stated, no running back, no uh, starting running back. Yeah, definitely a fascinating outcome there, and if Rondell Moore can get back with the things going and they can get everything back with Jeff Brom and all, uh, I think you expect maybe this Purdue team is going to be a lot better than last year because remember they had a bunch of injuries last season. Alan, also in the middle of the afternoon, we had Notre Dame crushing Pittsburgh 45-3. to We had Indiana upsetting Penn State, and we had our game of the week, Oklahoma State coming out on top against Iowa State. What caught your attention there? Uh, watching Penn State blow the game. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I just can't imagine and can't believe that that they hadn't coached that guy not to score because you like. I don't remember if you watched this, but like you can see him as he's crossing the end zone, as he's crossing the goal line. He looks over and looks confused at the sidelines, but he's already in the end zone. Yeah. And it's, it's as if everyone was screaming, no. <laughs> well, they were screaming at him. Devin yeah. Ford is the back that took off, and Indiana just kind of like gave half pushes on the offensive line, and their defensive backs just kind of turned and watched. You know, th- they want Penn State to score a touchdown in that scenario. You know, it was less than a couple minutes to go in the game. They're down one point. They're just saying, hey, go ahead and score. That way we get one more shot with the ball to try and uh, even this thing up. And it, and it all worked out in their favor. Like you said, Devin Ford, he kind of got to the five-yard line, and that's when he kind of halfway noticed that, hey, this doesn't quite feel right. And then he starts looking around as he's on his way down to the three, and he starts shifting down into first gear. Uh, and then he kind of looked like, oh, I can stop, but I don't really want to. I want to score, but I think I'm being told to stop. And then he crossed the goal line before he knew it. So uh, that was a wild finish. And uh, I don't know your opinion, but I was kind of thinking in my head, man, James Franklin, the dude scores. You didn't really want to. You wanted to run that clock out. Why not go ahead and go for two? Because you're up seven points after the touchdown. You've got the seven-point lead. Indiana's offense had been so bad all game that even if they could figure out a way to score a touchdown and you fail on the two-point conversion, you're still going to overtime. But if you go for two, you could make it a nine-point game, two-possession game, and the game's completely done with at that point. So I thought it would have been worth the risk to go for two in that situation. Uh, But even just with Devin Ford kind of messing it up, I think there's a little bit of blame to go on James Franklin as well. Oh, I agree. And as we saw as the game um, ended up going into overtime, they wouldn't have even had to cross the ball into the uh, across the goal line. You can just get 
right next to it. And they'll even count that for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I've looked at it a bunch of times and I'm not as convinced as you. I'm not saying he scored on the two point conversion to end the game. uh, But I think there was enough doubt to leave the call as it stood. And Hey, if it had been called no good, you know, the first time, then I would have said the exact same thing. I just think it probably would have stood either way. But ultimately, a fascinating, fascinating finish. And especially even that last drive in regulation with Michael Penix and on those wide receivers, uh, there were some penalties against Penn State that allowed them to move the ball down the field. But then there were some wild catches, too, with coverage all over these wide receivers. Not saying penalties, just tremendous coverage. And somehow, Indiana receivers coming up with receptions to be able to tie that game up late. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool to see. I mean, Tom Allen's a great coach, and you can tell that Indiana Indiana's program is on the ascent right now. Absolutely. Allen, one last look at these games. We had uh, Notre Dame as another one of your value picks. Last week when we gave the picks on the podcast, Notre Dame was sitting at us at a 10.5-point favorite. You said to slide Notre Dame up the board. They should have been valued at an 11 based on the spread. You slid them up to a 13. And what did we talk about? They won by 42. So absolutely good job there, Alan. That cashed. You look look at Indiana, Penn State. That was one of my value picks. I looked at the matchup of last year, and I said with Penn State as a six-point favorite, sitting at either a seven or an eight on the board, I said slide them down. I talked myself into actually picking Indiana. I went with them at a three, but a smarter play based off how the game played out I think actually would have been having Penn State lower on your board regardless that one cashed as well. Well Alan, done, Amigo. Thank you. I appreciate it. Alan, <laughs> as we look at the game of the week with the Cowboys of Oklahoma State coming away with a three-point win over Iowa State, what's your takeaway seeing that the Cowboys are now firmly in control in the Big 12? Their defense is legit. Right? I mean, that was the biggest takeaway for me was that in, in getting this wrong, I came on here last week and, and said that that I thought their defense was good, but not nearly as good as their numbers had suggested up to that point just because of poor offensive competition. And I was wrong. I mean, they they were constantly in the face of Brock Purdy, and they really messed with him. And, I mean, to the point that it, it really just blew up um, – their offensive game plan and uh and and ultimately i think spencer sanders legs was the were the difference yeah the defense was really good for oklahoma state and like you said with spencer sanders having him come back we talked about it he was likely coming back in the game he ends up playing the whole game man i really thought it enhanced their offense i've had some questions in the back of my mind about spencer sanders he was kind of a turnover machine last year but he played a pretty good game. He still turned the ball over, I think, at least once, maybe even twice. I think it was a couple of times. Uh, but mm. his legs were a big difference. I thought his mobility really opened up some things for Chuba Hubbard. He finally looked like his old self from a couple of uh, the last years in college football. So a lot of improvement on the offensive side. And, hey, the other thing that stood out to me, you mentioned Oklahoma State's defense. I just thought with Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, and Chuba Hubbard – Oklahoma State just has athletic skill 
that Iowa State is just missing on their team. They're a really good, sound, disciplined team, but they just aren't capable of putting up some of the firework uh, offensive plays that Oklahoma State is at this time. Agreed. I mean, uh, Iowa State really has that big, big old white dude tight end guy. <laughs> 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 eight, I think, and, and he's a monster. He's really, really good. But yeah, you're exactly right. They they didn't have the explosive plays that um, that an Oklahoma State has, and and so I, it was that became very apparent that even though this ended up being a three point game, um, Oklahoma State was the better team. Absolutely, Alan. Let's go ahead and jump into the late afternoon and evening games. We had Texas Tech beating West Virginia 34-27 to and another upset. We had Miami holding off Virginia 19-14. to What's your takeaway there? Well, I mean, essentially, Miami looked like they were kind of sluggish. And I think Virginia had a, a lot to do with that, you know. And, uh, and, and then in that West Virginia game, I really – did not see that one ending up that way. And it, you know, and looking at it, it's pretty wild how it ended up being a, a Texas Tech win. Yeah, because Texas Tech ended up having that fumble return for a touchdown, right? Late to yeah, to get the yeah. game winning score. Exactly. That's with like seven minutes left. That's how they ended up going ahead for the final time. Absolutely. That one cost both of us as you went with West Virginia at an eight. I had West Virginia at a five. So the upset there for Texas Tech, definitely a big one in getting their second win of the year. Alan, also in the evening slot, we had LSU just crushing South Carolina 52 to 24. And we had another big one in the Big Ten with Michigan really dominating Minnesota 49 to 24. Yeah, Michigan was really, really impressive, right? I think that was the most pronounced game of the day. in my opinion was like, wow, okay, this is, this is what you expect Michigan should look like. And, and even Don Brown had a, had another great defense dialed up. Um, but Milton may potentially be a, a game changer type quarterback. Yeah, he was really good. Joe Milton did a great job coming in. I had heard kind of how he's had some big play potential, but, you know, maybe needs a little bit refining in his skills. Uh, but he looked in control of things, and Michigan really called a good game for him. Uh, when you look at this matchup, this was another value play on my side. Man, Alan, you talked about it. I was rowing the boat really, really hard last week, and I told you that the wrong team was favored. We had Michigan as a three-point favorite going into the game. And I said, hey, you need to slide that all the way from a Michigan at a one, two, or three. I talked myself into putting uh, Minnesota at a 10, double digits (laughs) on the board. And I paid for it big time. So I was trying to figure out something there on the low to middle end of the board to to find some value. I really went after it hard. Uh, But it also hurt that we found out toward kickoff that Minnesota was missing a couple of offensive linemen, their punter, their kicker, a number of guys off the roster, a number of starters uh, that were missing from the game as well. So I'm not sure that had enough impact to be able to have Minnesota win, uh, but Michigan definitely was very impressive. Yeah, they really were. And, uh, hey, yes, every now and again, we're all going to throw a clunker out there. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then you look at the LSU-South Carolina matchup. Alan, I don't know that there's a ton to take away from this one other than TJ Finley came in in the absence of Miles Brennan, and he played a great game. And LSU on their home field knocks off South Carolina. Hey, I'm not saying that that's just some tremendous win, but we've seen LSU struggle some this year. I was thinking, all right, we don't know what one of these young quarterbacks is going to look like for LSU. I picked South Carolina at a seven because, again, I'm just trying to figure out something to lean on to give me an edge over some people. And I was way wrong on that one. You picked up a little bit of value here because you went with LSU at a one. So good pick, Alan. Hey, you know, I thought that LSU was going to look like a different team after their new, essentially, their created bye week. I was thinking that, you know, that gave them enough time to to maybe rep Finley a little bit and for him to to get ready. As it turned out, they were able to run the ball. And we'll talk a little bit about this in the, in the next episode as we as we look at that matchup versus Auburn. But they um, they were able to run the ball. And for the first time, they were able to put something together defensively that wasn't uh, a poop fest. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating to watch the LSU Tigers the rest of the way because it seems like they may have something uh, kind of building some momentum going on their side so a lot of fun stuff to watch as we work away through the rest of the season if you the listener want to get in on our reaction podcast or pick them rewind each week you can call us on blackmail 706-406-3566 you can leave your call there and get your thoughts on in any of these games and at that point, you can let us know how we helped you with our picks, how we hurt you, any of those things. You can let us have it if you want to. And as Alan alluded to, up next, if you haven't listened to it already, we're going to have a pick pod where we look at the games in week eight. So join us for that, where we're going to have our game of the week, our value picks, and that will help you sort through the 14 games that are on the board, 105 points available. Alan, of course, one of the big things people can do is they can rate and review the show on Apple iTunes. Five-star reviews really help out a lot. And you can find us on social media, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can find the show at The Blackout Pod, and you can find Alan at AD on The Blackout, and you can find me at TB on The Blackout. And Alan, any other thoughts before we get out of here? No, hit us up. I'm excited to, to feature this blackmail um, part as, as folks begin to call in. Absolutely. That part will be a really fun part of the show, and we'll look to grow that and enhance that as we work our way further down the year. Alan, thank you so much. Let's jump to it on the other side. All right. See you then. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.